Hello and welcome to Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. My name is Aryeh Cohen. Thank you for joining me here in the Beit Midrash in the Closet. We're standing just in the middle of winter. It's just the solstice, near the solstice. We passed Hanukkah. This week is Christmas. Next week is New Year's Day. We're in the middle of it on the East Coast. They're in the middle of a snowstorm. Good luck with that. Here in Southern California, we're in the middle also of the dead of winter. It gets down to like 50 degrees sometimes at night, and during the day it only goes up to like the high 70s. We are feeling a little optimistic with the vaccine. Only about a month more of the current administration, and lots of work to do, possibility of getting some good work done. Justice work. And here we go. So we're going to have to go back and go over a little bit. Uh, we're going to start a little bit. From last week's stuff, just to get a running start, we are starting on Memtet Amud Bet 49b uh, in the pagination and the layout that was popularized by the widow and brothers Rome in their publishing house in Vilna, Lodi, 150 years ago. About five, six lines from the bottom, Milo Tznan. Actually, seven lines from the bottom. So, actually, it's a bit. We're going to take a running start. All right. So the question is, is that we're dealing with is about um, the Mishnah says that a, a husband can't have a, a claim of chazakah in title of an of ownership in his wife's assets because when he uses his wife's assets, it's obvious that he uses it because they're married, so therefore he has a right to it, so therefore it has nothing to do with her selling them to him, and therefore when he leaves the marriage, he can't take them with him. What about if he has a contract that says that she sold them to him? So therefore, in that case, she could still say, shouldn't she be able to say, I, I, I was just uh, appeasing him. I was just appeasing my husband. I didn't want him to get angry at me. That's why I signed the contract. But it's not a real contract. Did we not say, See, if you if if a person acquires from the husband and then acquires again the same piece of property from the wife, remember the same thing like we had the Sikrikon case. So then So the 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 sale is is invalidated. Why? Because apparently she could say I was just doing it to appease my husband and I didn't really want to sell it. So therefore, here also in this case, in our case, in the case of Chazakah, of a husband trying to get a Chazakah in his wife's uh, assets, she should be able to say, she would say, It was just appeasing him. just making him feel good. Ha-itmar Allah, do we not say about the Mishnah, Amar Rabba Baravuna says that that's only about that Mishnah of buying from the man and then going back and buying from the woman and being invalid is only concerning three fields, three types of fields. One that was specifically written in her Ketubah, that that is the field in which her Ketubah payment will be paid out of. And one that wasn't written in the Ketubah, but but the husband pointed to that and designated it as the field from which the Ketubah payment will be paid. And one that uh, was brought in and assessed, since either he brought it in and assessed it for her, or she brought it in and assessed it. 
But that's what's called Nixay Tzon Barzel, which is property that's extensive, that's hers coming into the marriage, but belongs to him after the, but belongs to him after the marriage, right? So it's usually, uh, as Rashbam says, Sadeshachnisa lo mi beit aviha v'shamu oto, right? The field that was came in from her, that she brought in from her father's house, and it was assessed. And then when it leaves, it goes with the husband. Only those three things are the three things that we're talking about that if you buy from the husband and then you acquire it from the wife, it's mechobatea. Lemute mai. So what does this exclude? Ile malemute sharna chasim. If you're saying that it excludes all other assets. So if you're worried that the reason that those three are excluded is because nachad rocha siti labali, the only reason I signed that paper was in order to appease my husband. So, of course, all the other things, all other assets would be the same thing. Of course, there would be eva, there would be enmity brought on by it. Because he would say to her, you're, you're, all you're thinking about is divorce and death, my death, right? In other words, that's all you're thinking about. So you're selling off these pieces of land. So therefore, uh, I don't want you to sell. So if you don't sell these pieces of land, all you're thinking about is divorce when you can sue for that piece of land. Because if you wanted to stay married to me, so then we have this property, then uh, the money that I got from the property will be for both of us. But since you, et cetera, and so forth. So she would, of course, say the only reason I signed it was under duress because I didn't want my husband to get pissed off. No, that's not what we're talking about. It only excludes nixem log. Nixem log is the property that she brings into the marriage and then is assured to her and when she leaves the marriage and she gets the property at the same value as which she brought it in. So that's the only property which is excluded from this case of the three, you know, from the three, from the only, from the three fields, right? So that if you buy it from him, you go back and buy it from her. But did not Amemar say that if a, a man or a woman sold Nixay Malog, this type of property that she brings in and belongs to her, and they get divorced, they didn't do anything. That that sale is nothing. Ki Itzmar, so then the Stam says, the Stam comments on this, Ki Itzmar, the Amemar, Echa de Zabin Ihuva Meet, Atya Ihi Umafka. So when are we, what, what is that case of Amemar? What is Amemar referring to? That is when. He sells it and then he dies, and then she goes and she tries, she wants to extract it from the buyer. Inami zavna ihi umeta ata ihu mafik. Or when she sells it and dies, and then he goes and wants to extract it from the buyer by saying, you know, it's Nixim Luk, she had no right to sell it, or he had no right to sell it. And that's when a Maymar kicks in and says that that's not a sale that's good, and then there the husband or the wife is allowed to extract it. And this is because of a of a, a an ordinance of the sages. According to Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina, the Amar Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina Usha Hitkin. Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina says in Usha, we ordained an ordinance. They ordained an ordinance. If a woman sold her nechsem log, these assets that she brings in that still belong to her. And the husband died, so she can extract that asset that she sold from the buyers. So, in other words, that she can make a claim on that asset that I want it back, and they have to, and and then she has an ability to to get it back. Abel hecha de zvinu 
But in a case where they both sold it together to somebody else, to the world, or if she sold it to him, so then it's actually a good sale. And if you want to say, Amemar is actually going according to the thought, the thinking of Rebelezer. Ditanya, he said in a brighton. Now we're going to go through a long brighton. Rebelezer's last opinion, the brighton. Rebelezer is the opinion that we are saying that Amemar went according to, but it'll take us a, a little bit to get there. Ditanya, because there's a brighton. If you sold, one sold, one's enslaved person. However, Part of the deal was that this enslaved person would continue to, to work for the seller for 30 days. Rabbi Meir Amar. So now the question, of course, it's going to be a question of, of who owns, what kind of ownership rights does one have to the enslaved person? You sell, sell the person, but you still retain the right to, for that person to work for you for 30 days. Rabbi Meir Amar. Harishon yeshno bedin yom o yomayim so the first owner, the original owner, has is underneath the law of a day or two because the enslaved person is under his authority. And the second person is not under the law of a day or two because the enslaved person is not under his authority yet. So what does that mean? So this whole yom yomayim is a whole other thing. It says, we say in, in Shmot, the Pasuk, If a person hits his slave or his uh, maidservant with a stick and they die under his hand, the owner's hand, so then uh, there will be vengeance. There will be uh, uh, some recompense. But the word is is, is vengeance. Right? There will be vengeance. Ah! However, if for a day or t- after a day or two the servant stands up, in other words, doesn't die, then there will be no vengeance because the enslaved person is his property. Okay, so right. So now that means that right preceding this is the case of if a person hits another person, another freed person. Then it doesn't make a difference, even if if he falls to bed and then he gets up and then later dies, and so then if that person dies of the injuries, even a year later, the original attacker is still accountable and will still can still be put to death. However, in the case of an enslaved person, you have this out for the owner of an enslaved person that if the enslaved person stands up two days later, within two days, then the the attacker, the assailant gets a tour, gets a gets a free card. However, the person gets a free card only in relation to his own slave. If somebody else hits the slave, then it's not. Then it's just like a regular person. Okay. So now Rabbi Mayer says that the first person, the the owner, the guy who sold the person, but says, I see still has to work for me for 30 days. So he is included in the the out of one or two days because he has authority, but the second guy is not included in one or two days because he does not yet have authority over him. Ksabar, so the Stam explains this, Ksabar, Kinyan Perot, Kikinyan Agufdami. So the acquisition of the produce, the usufruct, is like the acquisition of the principle of the body. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, 
Behuda says, Hashini Yeshna Bedin Yom Oyomayim Epnei Shuru Kaspo. The second person, the buyer, has the, this is under the law of a day or two because it, it he, he acquired the enslaved person. And the first person, it's no longer their property. This uh, enslaved person is no longer their property. So therefore, they are not, they don't get the out of a day or two. Kasavar and the Islam explains that the, the theory here, the reasoning is here is Kinyan Perot, Lavki Kinyan Aguftami that the acquisition of the fruit is not like the acquisition of the body. Rubiosi Omer, Rubiosi says, this is the third opinion, Rubiosi Omer, Shnehem Yeshnan Bedin Yom Yomayim. Both of them fall under the law of a day or two. Zem Ebnei Tachtav, Zem One, because it's under his authority, under his, his ownership. In other words, the for the seller, it still has authority over him, over the enslaved person. Zem Ebnei And the, uh, the buyer, because it's his property. And we don't know. It is in doubt. It's up in the air whether the acquisition of the use of fructus is like the acquisition of the principal, the acquisition of the acquisition of the slave, or the acquisition of the slave's um, uh, produce, the, what the slave makes or does, is like the acquisition of his body, or not. And in a case where, in a capital case where there is doubt, so we are lenient. And that leniency means that if leniency goes here on the owner, on the, the, the seller or the buyer, so neither of them, so both of them get to claim this day or two day out. Rebelezer Omer, Rebelezer says, and this is actually the reason that we brought this whole Brita is to say that Amemar, right? Amemar, Says uh, holds like Rebelezer, Shneim Einobedin Neither of them are under the the umbrella of a day or two of this law of a day or two. Zelafisha Eino Tachtav, Zelafisha Eino Kaspo. This one because it's not under his authority, right? That means the buyer. Zelafisha Eino Kaspo, and th- and this one the seller is because it's no longer his property. The Amar Rava and Rava says, "My time at Rebelezer." What's Rebelezer's reasoning? Amar Kral Lo Yukam Ki Kaspo. Because the verse says at the end, he will not, he is not avenged because it is his property and it has to be property which is only his. And since there's a joint kind of ownership here, it's it's unclear the, uh, the ownership line. So therefore, it is no longer considered his property for the purposes of this day or two thing. All right. So therefore, this is what, going back just for a minute to remember what we were doing here, this is the ordinance in Usha, which says that a woman who sells her nichsem lug, her assets that she brought in that belong to her, and then her husband dies, she's allowed to take it away from the she's allowed to take it away from the 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 buyers. But if they sold it together, the husband and wife sold it together while the husband was alive, obviously, or not obviously, it's Kamara, but when the husband was alive, um, in, or if she sold it to him, then that is considered a sale, um, and that's according to, uh, a maimer is going according to Ribelezer, who says that in this case of an Eved, neither of them, so it's not Kenyan Kaspon, it's not Kenyan Haguf, neither of them have Yoma Yomayim, right? So therefore, in other words, it's not a real sale. Then neither of them have this out of the one or two days if they get up, and then within that 
period, if they get up, then then they're they're okay because neither of them. It's not kaspom yuchadlo. It's not property that is special for them. So therefore, in the same way, Amemar says that a sale of Melog assets that actually are, are set aside for the wife is not considered a real sale because there are two interests in that in that property. There's the interest of the produce and the interest of the principal. The interest of the principal is the wife's, but the interest of the produce is the husband's. So if she sells it to somebody else, and then her husband dies. So in other words, when she sold it, the husband was still alive. So he had an interest, and he didn't sell his interest. right? And so therefore, according to what Rebelezer says there, that there, when there are two interests, so neither of them really own it, in the sense of really own it, so therefore they don't get a day or two. And they don't really own it, so therefore if the husband dies, the, the wife can claim it back. This week's podcast is brought to you by Plugta, the original social conflict consultancy. Do you ever wonder why Hillel always won and Shammai went home empty-handed? Why Abaya always got the participation trophy while Rubba's opinion became law for generations? Well, we can tell you. Plugta will teach you how to lean into conflict, how to lean in so far that Uncle Max will cry uncle. They can get a free trial just in time for Tishabov. As Ram Das wisely said, if you think you are enlightened, go home for the holidays. Well, this time, when you go home for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, make sure that you go armed with the social knowledge that all your favorite sages had. This time, when your cousin Morty starts in again with his favorite troglodyte theory about politics, you will be prepared with a Ramenu and Ibcha Mistabra and Adaraba, and he will be sitting in silence until next year. Year. Right now, exclusively for listeners of this podcast, you go to www.plukta.com slash You can take a free conflict-style assessment test, and we will set you up with a very reasonably priced course that will make you the buyer plukta to fear in no time. Okay, the Gemara goes on. Now here it's interesting. We have in the printed editions, we have a pisca. We have a new place here. There's two dots before, two dots afterwards. Uh, yes, I know. In English, that's called a colon, but in Talmudis, that's called two dots. Or in in Hebrew Talmudis, it's called Nekudotayim. But here, in all the manuscripts, this is not a Pisgah. This is not a new part. And that's probably true, because it says, Lo le'ish, lo le'ish ishto. This is setting up a question. right? We're going back to the quote. It is a piece of the Mishnah. But it's setting up the question, Vaha'amar, right? Vaha'amar is a question term. So we're setting up the question, Lo le'ish ishto. Can it be that a husband doesn't have... A an acquisition, a claim of ownership on the assets of his wife. Amarav Rav, and according to some of the um, uh, manuscripts, is Rav Sheshet. Doesn't Rav or Rav Sheshet say that a a married woman has to um, has to protest? Right. So, in other words, since if a husband can claim a chazaka on the assets of his wife, why would Rav say that a married woman has to protest? And this is, we're not finished with the question. The question goes on. Bumans. And when you say, how do we understand Rob saying that a married woman has to protest? Ilema ba'acher. If you're going to say that this is just talking about protesting against somebody else. Rav also says that a person, and then an outsider, another person, a third party, cannot claim chazaka on the assets of a married woman, either because the assumption is that if the woman doesn't protest, the assumption is that the husband will, she's just assuming the husband will protest, right? Or Rabbeinu Gershom says that um, the woman doesn't want the husband to know she owns the property and therefore she would not protest against the third party. 
acquisition, as this would become public, so therefore, that's why she wouldn't protest. So therefore, you can't, uh, Rob says, you can't make a claim of Chazakah on the assets of a married woman. So it can't be that, so Elalav Babal, so therefore, when Rob says, um, that a married woman has to protest against somebody who's making a claim of Chazakah, that must be the husband. So how could the, so this is finally the question, how does the Mishnah say a man cannot have a Chazakah in the, the assets of his wife if she has to protest that? Amarava, so Rava says, Yes, we're talking about the husband and what Rob says. That was Rob saying that a, a, a woman has to protest. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about a case where he dug these various types of ditches in the land. Right? Bor is a, a cistern. Shiach is like a elongated water hole. And a ma'ara is like a, a man-made cave. It's real, we've, and these came up earlier in the chapter also, in the parak. So that's what we're talking about. And Vahama Rav Nachman, Amarabba Barabuas, so then Rav Nachman asks in the name of, uh, or this, the Stam poses this as a question, because Rav Nachman says in the name of Rabba Barabua, Ein Chazakal Nizikin. What are you talking about? There is no, you can't make a claim of ownership based on damage, based on doing damage. If you're damaging the property, for three years, that's not a claim of ownership. That's just damaging the property. Ema, so the Stam says, now let's say, ain't din chazakal nizikin. So what he meant was that you don't need to damage the property for three years because if you're somebody's damaging your property, then immediately you're going to go out and, and, and scream and yell. So if you don't go out and scream and yell, so then that can make an, a claim for an immediate chazakal. Ibayit ha. Or you can say about this, it says about this notion of that there's no that there's no, uh, you don't need three years to wait for, to protest, to wait for an assumption of ownership when you're talking about damaging property. Ramari says about that, that that's talking about when you have a flame or a fire pit with 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 uh, uh, smoke going on all the time, which is very, which is not only on your property but in somebody else's property onto your property. We had the Sugyan twenty three B that there we talked about the fact that that you're allowed to ask somebody to move their kutra or move their stuff far away. So that's talking about so that that is that is something that's damaging. So the chazak the the nizakin is only talking about this. Uh, having a fire with it, you know, ash all over the place. Or Rizud says with a an outhouse, which is these two things are ongoing injuries. Rabbi Yosef Amar Olam Ba'acher. So Rabbi Yosef says, going back to Rab's statement, what are we talking about? No, we're talking about not the husband, but an outside party, a third party. That has that a woman has to protest against a third party claiming chazakah. And we're talking about a case where this outside party ate, in other words, used the usufruct of the land for part of the time during the husband's life, in other words, for a year or so during the husband's life. And three years after 
the husband died. So that together there's a chazaka there. There's more than a chazaka. Migo deim and and so in that case she has to protest. Why? Because of amigo, because of this uh, notion that migo deibai amarle ana zevinta mine minach. Because of amigo, a a a claim that they could have made an easier claim. I could have made a more direct claim, right? Because he says, if I wanted to, I would have said I bought it from you. Ki amarle when he said. Nami, when he said, Ki Amarle Nami, when he said, Ad Zivinta Mehemon, you sold it to your husband and he sold it to me, so then he's believed. Now, because he could have said, the guy could have said, Look, you, you sold it to me. And that's why I've been sitting here, right? All those cases of my boy Bayara and Zivinta Mina. So, Ana Zimintaminach is, is considered a, 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 tana, a Tana that goes along, a, a good story that goes along there. So, since he could have said just, you bought it, you sold it to me, and he says rather, and then he would have been believed. So, when he says, you sold it to your husband, and he sold it to me, so he's also believed. So, that's why Rav says that a, a married woman has to protest because of the fact that we would believe, according to Rabbi Yosef, this third party. Now, the question is whether one of, one of the ways of trying to discern what's going on here is that we have two statements of Rav that the, a married woman has to protest and one cannot claim a chazakah in the assets of a married woman. And what we're doing, Rava and Rabbi Yosef, have two different ways of going about undoing this contradiction between the two statements of Rav. And those two statements might have been Rav at different stages in his life, and he went back from one, or in different circumstances. Um, Halibni Weiss goes into that in Mechrim Korot. Maybe we'll go into that a little bit more next week when we continue this sugya along these lines. And that's where we're going to stop for today. Thank you for coming and being with me for this time, for this daf. It was a pleasure. I want to thank um, my wonderful chabruta, Charlotte von Robert. I want to thank my producer, Ellie Unger Sargon. Check out his podcast, uh, Four Cubits. I want to thank the communications department, Shachar Cohen Hodas, for the beautiful logo that they created for Daf Shrui. My name is Arye Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. You can email me at thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. All this information is on the podcast page. Please, if you are so moved, give me a rating. Um, it'll allow other people raise this up in some kind of algorithm and allow other people find it easier. And also, it makes me feel good. Be well. Thanks for being here. Bring along a friend next week. And have a wonderful solstice and a great year. <laughs>